You're listening to the Innovation Made Easy podcast with Chiara Covone, episode number 66. Welcome to the Innovation Made Easy podcast. I'm your host, Chiara Covone, ex-corporate leader turned executive coach and speaker. I'm here today to unfold insights of leadership wisdom and personal development to inspire you to achieve success both at work and in life. Are you ready to create your own success story? Then let's dive in. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Innovation Made Easy podcast. The sun is shining, it's end of August and I am so enjoying this end of summer and uh, and I'm also really excited because I'm preparing and finalizing a new product that is going to be launched soon and I'm so excited. I can't tell you yet what it is but stay tuned because you will soon um, know what this is about. I'm sure I'll uh, I'll communicate on LinkedIn and all my uh, platforms to make sure that you are aware of this exciting project uh, that is coming to life. So today I want to talk about um, the art of influence the what and the when and the how of influence and I think it's so interesting because influence is one of those words that is so used um, by my clients this desire to be more influential and and be more heard and um, and sometimes I feel like we want to find the magic bullet and we make it more complicated than it actually is. Um, Having said that I do think that is interesting to structure the word influence based on the different situation and the art of influence. There is different methodology that we naturally use that we have been training since we are very, very young on how to um, get people to, to do what we want, uh, to help us out. And, uh, and so I thought it was really interesting to actually structure these influence into different type. Um, it also give it some thoughts of when are you going to use which tactic or which approach um, and so I help you guide you and maybe give you some inspiration on how to first consider yourself actually already an influential person and and secondly maybe see if the strategy that you're using right now might not apply because of know the, the circumstances and if there was a different one that I'm listing here that might work better for you. So the first distinction that I'd like to, to, to make is between hard tactics and soft tactics and hard tactics the one that I will mention are a little bit more straightforward a little bit more um, you, you will apply and use them when you want something quickly uh, and you, you need uh, something <laughs> like pass me the salt <laughs> type of um, speed and and then there is the soft ones which is you know, a little bit more refined and they need a little bit more of work around also a little bit more time um, to be completed. So let's look at the hard tactics and so as I said these are straightforward approaches and you don't really require a lot of understanding a lot of knowledge of the person you're trying to influence. So one of the, you know, the simplest one is just making a request. So this tactic is about simply telling something, uh, someone um, that you need something like, can you please pass me the salt? And so you're making a request. 
think about it, right? This is also a way of influencing somebody. So if you're one person that thinks about himself, oh, I'm so bad at influencing people, I'm such not a poor influencer. Well, you know, here I give you an example of actually something uh, that could encourage your self-esteem and, uh, and appreciate the fact that actually you're probably very good at asking um, somebody, can you pass me the water? If you're sitting at a table with somebody else. So the first hard tact is just requesting. As you said, you don't really need to know much about the person that is going to pass you the water. Sometimes if you're sitting at the table with a friend, you will know a lot about them, but that is not a requirement for you to influence a person to actually fulfill your request. So very straightforward. The second hard tactic is what we can call legitimating. And, and what I'm talking here about is that we're asking something and we're also explaining why. So we, we legitimate our request with, with a why. So in the case of the salt, right, you don't need to, to, to make this um, legitimation, but if you wish to do so, you could very easily say, mm, actually, I think I'm missing some salt here. Could you please pass me the salt? See how actually this request could land in a much nicer way, in a more engaging way with the other person. As I said, it's not required, maybe in the request with salt, but I think it's quite interesting to see just that little subtle add-on to give you some context on the why I'm making this request is actually um, going to land the request in a different way. So you're legitimating your request with the add-on of why do I actually, uh, why am I actually asking you um, to fulfill my request. You could even say, sorry, I, ca I can't reach it from here. Um, could you please pass it to me? <laughs> I think I made it such an interesting example because I remember some friends of mine um, from Argentina and Brazil, they would never pass you directly the salt. You know, they, these friends of mine, they would always want to put um, the salt first on the table, pass it to you, but leave it on the table, not pass it directly hand-to-hand, hand, which I thought is quite interesting anecdote. Anyway, so requesting, legitimating. The third hard tactics for influencing is when you're basically um, telling the person, uh, you're persuading the person to join an already existing uh, community, saying, you know, peer pressure, right? Is, uh, oh, I want you to come over with us to this party, all these people are already coming. So you're persuading this person to do something by pointing out that there is already other individuals that are on board. And I give you examples of, you know, the party, but of course it could be a meeting, could be a coalition, could be any, any other thing, just to give you an example of what I'm referring to. But I think this is quite subtle. Again, you don't need to know a lot about that person. And in fact, the peer pressure could completely fail if the person thinks that, first of all, I don't, I don't know these other people or I'm not interested. But it's one way for you to quickly try to persuade somebody by giving them that context of, and, you know, all these people are already in, why are you not joining? So I think this is quite interesting because, again, you're not really putting yourself in the shoes of that person. You're just putting a little bit of pressure and, um, and it might actually work. So these are type of hard tactics. And as I said, these are tactics in which you use when you really want to um, have something uh, quickly resolved. And, um, and the, the thing is that 
what I think is interesting is that the result of that might be short-term gains, but long-term you might not have necessarily increased the relationship with this, with this person, right? You haven't really engaged and understood the person so deeply to be able to say, well, we're, you know, this, we use this opportunity for actually to grow our relationship, to, to understand each other better, um, to work better in the future. So, so the person might, you know, follow your uh, request, but without much enthusiasm, yeah, I just pass you the salt, you want the salt, take it. Or, or you're, you're putting pressure on me because these other people are coming and I'm coming, but I'm not coming for you, actually, I'm, I'm, I'm coming for the other. So the enthusiasm there is, is not really there, right? Um, so I just wanted you to, to point out this method of inferencing because they are actually inferencing. You are asking something and getting something in return if the person accepts to, um, to comply. But the reality is that you're not investing in anything bigger and longer term. So let's look at the softer tactics. And these are really more requiring you to understand the person you're interacting with, you're trying to influence. And of course, it will be trying, taking the time to understand this person at different levels. Um, but the beauty of this method is that it actually requires you to invest more time. In, in my case, you know, I would say that this is more exciting, more interesting, because um, it, you can leverage a bit of your curiosity around the other pe person. You can play it also a little bit as a game. So the first uh, soft tactic that I'd like to mention is when we use evidence and data to uh, to persuade somebody to show why this person should actually fulfill your request. And I think this is quite interesting because when you're persuading somebody, you're really tapping on their logic part of the brain. You're giving them data, you're giving them facts. And this tactic might work in some cases, but it might completely fail in other, in other moments, right? I'm sure you have experienced when you're really leveraging, you gathered a lot of facts, you gathered a lot of data, and you bring it all to the table, but this other person actually is still not feeling quite right and doesn't want to really want to follow through. But you're trying, you know, you're using that tactic, and, and this is really what I want to, to focus on. You know, when is the right time to use that tactic? And if we look at our, you know, at our brain and the complexity of our brain, you know, we have a, a part of our brain that is really data driven, but the other part of our brain is much more driven by intuition, by um, connecting the dots, by, by feeling, you know, by our gut feeling, something that tells me mm, I'm not convinced. And, and I think it's, it's interesting. I was looking, I was reading uh, an article the other day. It was talking about two different type of computers. Um, so these two type of computers, there is the serial computer and the parallel computer. And in a serial computer, one things happen at a time. So it's kind of, it's a sequential progress. And, and it's really interesting because this is really based on data and logic. And the answer is always the same. So it's really mathematical. Um, and so I think it's interesting that sometimes when we are applying persuasion, we're really tapping into that type of computer, that type of part of our brain where it's really just about data and logic. The other type of computer is a parallel computer. And 
This is really like our intuition, where we process a huge amount of data simultaneously. And it's, not, it's really when we are capable of finding patterns and connecting the dots, but not in a linear way, really addressing and uh, accessing a huge amount of data. So when we are really strictly focusing on data and logic, evidence, we want to be aware that actually we're, we're talking to that part of the brain. So depending on your relationship with that person, you might miss out on half of it. Uh, so I think this is really interesting of why sometimes we get so frustrated with um, persuasion tactics that leverage a lot of data, but actually are not um, bringing us to the results that we want. The other type of building on these soft tactics, um, another style is more about um, building report. And uh, so basically this is really uh, one of the tactics that was um, very um, largely explained in, in books about influence, which is based on the principle that people are more likely to follow you if they like you, right? So somebody comes at your door and wants to sell you a vacuum cleaner and, and they start chatting and they start finding communalities between you and, and that person. And so that it triggers you liking this person. And so, you know, it creates kind of a common ground over which you can build a report. So, you know, if somebody praises you and points out a sense of communality, then, you know, we feel like we're part of the same group or belong in a, in a somehow we have something in common. So there is a lot of science that shows that when you um, base your uh, influence, influence on, on those grounds, that person is actually way more likely to fulfill your request. So I think you know, those sneaky ways in the past or when people knock at your door, I want to send you a vacuum cleaner. Um, it's maybe not exactly what I'm um, um, encouraging you to, to do, but I'm just thinking of, you know, consider how that has an influence, how it has impact your influence, right? How much you actually could leverage and how much are you really considering and not giving it for granted? Am I spending time to really pointing out how here we are in the same, on the same board? I feel, I hear so often my clients having conflicts at work because they feel they're, you know, they, that they want something different. And, and I'm telling them, yes, exactly, because you have been just focusing on what you want versus the why you want or what you have in common. The common, the commonality you have is the, uh, the success of the company. So ultimately you wanna make the pie bigger. So don't start fighting with the little piece that you have, that you're holding on. And instead, how can you collaborate with this other person? How can you really create that social ground, that common ground so that you can build and leverage each other's um, knowledge, skills and expertise? So socializing and spending really time on, uh, on, on other people's um, belonging and belonging to the same group really can um, propel your influence uh, to different levels. Another uh, more sneaky way of um, influencing somebody is via a training, via an exchange. So I give you this and you do this, do this favor in, in return. And this is also something that is very often used and leveraged. I use it, this practice often also with my kids. And, uh, and it's of course 
you know, it has its own applications at times. So you're asking uh, for something, but you're also happy to give something in return. So very um, trading and uh, very exchangey uh, between the two people. To use this approach, approach, of course, you have to know what the other person wants in exchange, right? So with my son, I'm very aware of what he wants, so that's an easy one. And sometimes having the curiosity actually to, to find out what is this person, what, what can I offer to them, and what can then this person really give to me? So having that openness really can um, enhance your relationship because you will spend time to validate your assumption. I think this person might need that, but do I want to validate my assumption? Do I want to actually ask this person and check uh, if that's something they're interested in that I can offer them? So an exchange is, is a good way to, particularly if you're doing it with, with empathy and with a lot of interest and curiosity, you can really build your relationship actually in the long term. The other thing is, um, of course, if you have a special relationship with somebody. So if you're very personal, so if you are asking somebody that is a, a good colleague of you, that you work very often together, if you're asking for a personal favor, um, then you, you can center the request uh, also on the sense of friendship and loyalty. So you're asking them, not expecting anything uh, so this person will do that, not expecting anything in return. They're not doing it because you know you you have to reiterate and uh, confirm that you're actually part of the same group. So those things are all already given, and you have a relationship with them. You have a trusting relationship and a loyalty relationship with this person. So you can actually leverage on that. And I think this is also really really important because sometimes, um, as hyperachievers and really strivers in, in corporations we have such a hard time asking for help to others and we only ask for help when things really you know either it's too late or it's you know you're overwhelmed or sometimes if it doesn't really affect us personally if it's something you know that doesn't make you feel uh, I'm not good enough or I'm asking for help because um, I can't do it myself, accepting and admitting this might feel very hard on you. So we don't tend uh, to, to ask for help. And, and so the influence piece is actually, I think I spoke about this in an earlier podcast as well, where when you're asking something to somebody, that person actually feels so good. They feel so important. They feel they can help you. They're so grateful for you to actually reach out to them and ask them for a favor because that means that they are also worth a lot. And, and we love helping others. We love contributing. Um, so I think this uh, approach of really appealing to the personal relationship is something um, that we should leverage more because it's, it's really a win-win for both of you. So another way of influencing is uh, actually also consulting somebody. So when you're asking for feedback or suggestion, sometimes people don't see that as influencing because you feel like, well, no, I'm just asking. But the point is that you're actually expressing your point of view, you're making some statements about where you are, where you're getting to, 
and you're asking for feedback on, on, on your uh, current status. So in reality, that is much more subtle way of influencing, but it does have an influencing effect because that person will leave that conversation and knowing what you want and knowing where you are, they will feel good about having given you feedback and suggestions or they will want also to maybe follow up with you to see if you actually implemented the suggestion that they uh, gave you. And so ultimately, they, you made them part of your group. And again, of course, the how is very important, how you manage to ask them for consultation, how you engage them in the conversation will ultimately result in either a transactional relationship or instead in something that is more long term and that you can refer back to in later stages. So this is really much more of an influencing approach that is more long term. It has more stages to it, but I really think it's an interesting tactic for you to use. Um, when you are looking to influence um, people. And then finally is when you actually inspiring somebody. So when you are um, really uh, tapping into their ideal, when you are uh, an inspirational figure for them and somehow you are emotionally engaging with this person, you are tapping into you know, you're triggering some relevant and strong emotions into this person, they, they look up at you. So of course that is <clears throat> a very strong way of influencing somebody because if you convince them of how your vision and your path is so interesting and appealing to them, you actually often don't even need to ask because they follow, they come along. And of course, often this is the ultimate way we talk about influencing. I want to be more influential. I want to be this inspiring figure that sits there and just have this crowd following them. And, and probably everyone can be that, that type of inspirational figure. The point is, how true are you with your vision? How authentic are you with where you're going? And because inspiration can only come from within. If you are authentic and you really have a clear purpose that you're following and a clear path that you're following, a clear excitement along the way, then it's so natural that people want to be part of that journey. So that inspiration, that power of inspiring people is from somebody that is not trying hard. And this is why I think we don't use influence directly in that context, right? Because influence seems to be trying hard to convince people to follow you. And the reality is that when you inspire, by default, the, you know, the byproduct is that actually people are uh, following you, so you have influenced them. But every time we try too hard on things, that's when actually we fall short. And so, so this wraps up the uh, last piece of soft uh, tactics to influence and and of course as I said those soft tactics as opposed to the hard tactics require you to be more authentic to take more time to understand who you have in front and to really want to be on the journey with yourself with them to land somewhere together um, so the path and destination is to be appealing, interesting, and quite clear. So, and, and I'm just going to finish saying that 
if you want to go to B, you also have to know where you are. So if you want to influence more the people around you, you first want to assess where are you today? And this is why I wanted to give you this framework, because sometimes we just want to be better and we don't take the time to consider where am I today? How am I doing? So this is why I give you this framework in which you can really start assessing yourself, you know, where do I actually take the boxes already? And this is my point A. And now where do I want to go? What type of tactics do I want to actually start practicing and see how I can adapt them for my own, um, you know, to my own style, to what I actually want to achieve. And then that's when you decide where B is and you work um, to achieve your B destination. So I hope this was interesting and inspiring and uh, let me know, leave me a comment on my website. Uh, I'm really looking forward to hearing what you're thinking. Have a wonderful week and until next week, bye-bye. Hey, before I let you go, I wanted to let you know that I have a free masterclass for you to access. It is a comprehensive um, class about why we procrastinate and what we can do to instead achieve massive results. If you're tired of dreaming and wanting and you're ready to take inspired and effective action, then this masterclass is for you. Go to covone.se forward slash goal and get instant access to this free masterclass to help you finally stop procrastinating and allow your dreams and wants to take back the front seat.